All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Elevate Your Booking show. I'm Conrad, and today I'm joined by Alessandra and Michael. Michael is the vice president of the Americas for Superhog. We're going to learn a lot today about something that I think is actually pretty critical, and we're excited that Michael's here. Alessandra, thanks for coming back on today, and yeah, we're looking forward to talk to Michael today. Yes, I'm super excited because this is something that's important, and our listeners should most definitely listen to this one. No doubt. So the title of today's episode is How to Protect Your Property Beyond Insurance. I don't know exactly when I first started hearing about the differences between like a regular kind of like homeowner's insurance policy and a like vacation rental or short-term rental specific insurance policy. But I do remember hearing about that a few years ago and nodding my head along and going like, yeah, like a lot of things can go wrong. And certainly if you're more protected from like a property damage standpoint, that seems like a smart thing. But Superhog does something a little bit different, right? It's not necessarily just talking about property damage, right, Michael? There's a lot more to Superhog. So for the folks listening, could you kind of give the elevator pitch, if you will, of what Superhog is, what it does, and how it helps a host or a manager? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, first of all, for having me, and I appreciate being here. Yeah. So we started out, interesting when we talk about insurance, we started out as an insurance company about six years ago. And what we realized is that insurance is really not the solution. It's just a band-aid to the problem. And the problem is how do you prevent bad characters, if you would, people who are going to go out and cause malicious damage or do something illegal in a property, how do you prevent them from even booking that property in the first place? And so about three years ago, we developed a guest verification tool, a solution, a SaaS solution that essentially verifies the guest in advance of the stay, but then backs that booking with up to $5 million worth of damage protection and liability coverage. And what we realized is that about 99% of the people that go through our verification process are good people. They're not out to cause any damage or any problems. What happens though, is that you do get that one person. And so what we found is that through our verification process, we're able to eliminate that person from even booking that property in the first place because they see they're going to have to go through that step. So essentially what we do is we verify the guest's identity. We ask for a copy of their photo ID or passport. We do a biometric facial scan. We check a date of birth, address, phone number to make sure it's a real phone number tied to them, and then email address where we can actually see when that email was created. And then once the verification happens and they pass it, that booking now is protected with our SuperHog guarantee. And should damage occur, which we know it happens from time to time, whether it you know just be accidental damage, that the guarantee is in place and we're there to protect the host, the homeowner, the manager in that sense where, you know, the damage claim gets filed and we pay the host or the homeowner out first and then we go after the guest for the damages, whatever those would be. So it's a really nice product and solution that gives the homeowner and the manager peace of mind that number one, first and foremost, every guest that's staying in their property has been verified. Michael is who he says he is. And he's gone through this verification step. And oh, by the way, should damage occur, we've got this really great product in place that allows us to cover that damage. And now, uh, most recently, adding in chargebacks as well. So should chargebacks occur, we have a chargeback guarantee in place as well that protects the host and the homeowner. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Alessandra, we did some research before we hopped on. And I think um, if the broader discussion here is about like how to protect your property, you would kind of broken down some different things between like, what's the difference between homeowners insurance, landlord insurance, condo policy? What are, what's the difference between all those things when it comes to some of these property issues that might occur? 
Yeah, those are all things that really the homeowner needs to have in place anyways. I think you have to have a homeowner's policy in place. So should some type of natural disaster occur, a fire, something of that nature. And those are all policies that I think are necessary and needed for the the host or the homeowner in this case, where we kind of come into play is really for that damage that occurs when a guest is in the property, whether it be accidental, malicious, or intentional. And we also cover pet damage as well, which is kind of just an add-on. But we're really there for when that damage occurs where the guest doesn't intentionally mean to spill the glass of wine or something happens where the kids draw on the wall with crayons and the room needs to get repainted. Or most recently, we had a situation where a grill got too close to the house and burned some of the siding and the siding needed to be replaced to the tune of a couple thousand dollars. That's what we're really there for. We also are there for on the side of the liability issues. So if someone slips and falls, breaks their ankle, falls down some stairs, whatever the case would be, while they're in that property during that stay, we're there to help protect the owner and the host and the manager in that sense. So having that other insurance, the one you talked about, kind of a homeowner's policy and things like that, absolutely, the homeowners need to have that. We're really there as an added protector. But I would even say that the focus of our guarantee and insurance, that's not our primary focus. Our primary focus is making sure that, number one, first and foremost, any bad characters that are trying to book that property see that there's a verification step in place and they're going to look elsewhere. They're going to go to another property. And then more importantly, that every guest that comes through that property is done, has done a verification and we know who they are. And it goes back to what I said earlier, it gives that homeowner, the property manager, that peace of mind that that this person has been checked. Yeah. Alessandra, when you first purchased your property, was this something you were kind of scared about? Like, oh, especially because you're so far away. Like, what was kind of your, what was your experience dealing with this the first time as a host a few years back getting going with your property so far away? Well, you know what, for me, I wasn't too worried about it only because the reason why I chose Aruba was because I know it's very like couple-y, like a lot of couples travel there. It's very, there's a lot of families. So I wasn't so nervous about um, anything crazy happening. I mean, I'm not on a party island, so <laughs> I wasn't too afraid. But I mean, you always have that fear as a an owner of one of these properties of what what if something does happen. So on my end, I'm in a condo complex, so I have to, part of the HOA, there is an insurance included that I have to pay. It's mandatory for all the owners. And then I have an extra one that I bought for myself to include like the contents inside. And I'm also looking into super hug on my end, to be honest. So me and Michael have discussed it. I just have to get that rolling. I've been a little slow with things. So that is something I think for all homeowners, it's just a peace of mind, right? An extra peace of mind. You'll be backed up. You'll know everything will be okay. So for me, it wasn't too much of an issue, but I have had things broken like an entire kitchen table, all four legs were broken. I don't know how, but (laughs) (laughs) it happened. I have an induction cooktop. I had someone, they must have slammed, dropped a pan or something on it and they cracked the whole thing. So it happens. It happens. Yeah. yeah, I think that, like you were saying earlier, though, Michael, a lot of this stuff is not intentional. I feel like I remember the first time I kind of heard about people not using large deposits, but instead using small like property protection fee type things was David Angotti back when they were still doing the property management side of things. Mm-hmm. He and his business partner, Wes Melton at SmokyMountains.com. I think they explained a scenario to me where 
it was like two kids playing, like wrestling, something like that. And they bumped into a TV, knocked a flat screen TV off the wall. Flat screen TV falls and that's an eight, nine thousand, two thousand dollar thing that gets damaged, right? And the guest staying called right away and was like, here's what happened. I'm so sorry. I'm assuming it's going to come out of my deposit, but I just want to let you know what happened. And they went, oh no, you actually, we have a property protection fee. We're going to go ahead and replace it for you. No worries at all. You don't owe us anything other than the $40 fee or whatever that they paid at that time. So that's the first time I remember hearing about something like that. And then over the past, let's say six years, just hearing stories from different folks and different clients that I've worked with, it seems very common, right? Like these things happen. I don't think it's always malicious, but it's it's what's the upside, what's the downside? And I think having these solutions out there is awesome because the downside seems very low. You pay a few dollars basically <laughs> in coverage. And the upside seems awesome because if something does go wrong, you're protected and you're not going to have some sort of like catastrophic cataclysmic event that's going to damn your bottom line for potentially could make a property unprofitable for an entire year if something like that were to occur, something bad. Um, that's not even getting into what you touched on earlier, Michael, like someone suing you or someone drowning in a pool or rolling yeah. their ankle. These are things that you really get scared about. But even just a normal wear and tear and damage that occurs, I think is an, is a just a part of the business. And having some levels of protection or having a few different things that have your back, I think, is something that people should take into account. Maybe it costs you a, little, a few dollars, but the peace of mind it probably buys you is easily worth those fees, I would say. It, it really is. And I would say that one of the things that for those folks who are listening, what we really provide, we answer three really important questions, which is number one, who are you dealing with? Meaning these are questions that a property manager gets, but also a homeowner is thinking, which is number one, who are you dealing with? Who's this person who's staying in my home? Secondly, can you trust them? Right. And then what happens when something does go wrong? Is there a protection in place that's going to give me that peace of mind or comfort to know, okay, this got broken and yes, it's going to be covered and we don't have to wait six months and then we don't have to debate this with the likes of an OTA who's only going to pay me 50% of it because they don't think it's worth the full damage that we, we submitted. And I think those are those three really important questions. Who am I dealing with? Can you trust them? And then what do I have in place when something does go wrong? Because listen, it, something will go wrong. It, it just happens that way, unfortunately. Um, not like you said, maliciously, but accidents do happen. So I think those being able to answer those three questions, what we do at Superhog is we answer those by being able to verify the guest and then provide the protection behind it. My cousin's into motorcycles. And I think this is what motorcycle riders say. There's only two kinds of motorcycle riders, ones that have been down and ones that are going to go down. I feel like we could probably <laughs> say the same thing for you know vacation rentals. There's only one type of property owner, one that's dealt with damage and one that's going to deal with damage in the future. Right. Same sort of thing, because it's inevitable, like you said. L let's go back to the OTA thing real quick, Michael. And I'm curious your thoughts on this too, Alessandra, because- Obviously, the big platforms out there, and we took some notes and we did some research on Airbnb, Verbo, and Booking.com. These obviously probably provide most of the OTA bookings, at least for a lot of our US-based clients that we've worked with in the past. These platforms claim they have these things though, right, Michael? Like Airbnb, they I think they talk about a million-dollar host guarantee. Airbnb is supposed to verify identity. Uh, Verbo is supposed to um, do this kind of stuff. So Alessandra, you did some research, right? What do, do they actually do? What are the exact mechanics of, let's say, Airbnb? And then Michael, I'll go to you in a second to talk about the gaps that maybe can be filled or maybe if they can improve their processes. So sure. what are your thoughts on that? So with Airbnb, they have 
an ID verification, uh, but it's not part of Airbnb's sign-up process. So not all the guests on Airbnb are verified, and Airbnb only performs background checks in the U.S. I also saw some of those policies that they have. They said that there are a lot of exclusions in those policies. That the, I think Airbnb has two of them. They have some things behind them, like loss of income is not one of them. If there's some kind of damage and you're unable to rent your property for a period of time. And there was something else. So those two from Airbnb, they do have exclusions. And then the, like I said, the ID verification is not part of their signup process. With Verbo, they don't require guests to verify their identity to book a property, but they tell their guests that if they do get the verified identity badge, it's going to help then build trust with the hosts and make their booking requests more likely to be accepted. And then with booking.com, I found you can make a booking requirement for guests to provide a verified phone number, email address, credit card information, and those types of things. But that has to be a booking requirement that the host or the owner is requiring. So it seems like, and I get it, these platforms, they're trying to maximize conversions, right? That's as a marketplace, that's what's going to be in their best interest. So if I was sitting in the seat of of VRBO and I was on the growth team and they said, hey, let's force people to verify their identity before they book as someone on the marketing side or the growth team, I'd be like, no way. That's a hurdle that I don't want people to have to clear. But you know, if we flip to the other side of the equation here, when it comes to a marketplace and dynamics of it, the host needs protection. And that's kind of obviously what we're digging into. So of those three platforms, Michael, Airbnb, Verbo, Booking.com, do you think they're falling short? Is there a path that you see in the future where they're going to deliver something super hog-like? Or do you think that it's just always going to be a requirement to have this extra protection? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know where they're headed, to be quite honest with you. I, if I did, I'd you know be sitting in some think tank somewhere making gazillions of dollars. <laughs> but I think where we are headed with this is first and foremost, whether it be Airbnb, Verbo, uh, Booking.com, especially with Airbnb, we tell every one of our managers, listen, if you're on Airbnb and you've got air cover, continue to use it. The challenge that happens with many managers is that when there has been damage in the past and they've supplied Airbnb, the damage, the damages, and they're waiting on a resolution is that number one, it takes a lot of time where we'll resolve that within 48 hours and pay the homeowner, where with Airbnb, it could take days, if not weeks, sometimes months. The other part of it is that if someone submits a claim to us and says, hey, here's the damage, here's the evidence, here's the photos, here's the proof, it's $500 worth of damage. We're not going to sit there and debate that with them. We're going to pay the $500 out. Where with others, and I'm I'm not pointing any fingers, but with others, they might say, hey, that $500, we don't really think it's worth that. It's only worth $250. And oh, by the way, that's all we're going to give you. So those are some of the gaps. I mean, I think there's other gaps where, you know, if there are a high incidence of damages reported in one area, I've heard, uh, this is what I've heard. I'm, I'm not saying it's verbatim, but, you know, that it can take even longer to get paid because they're going to move slowly on claims because, oh gosh, this area has a high incidence of damage and we're going to sit there and evaluate it. Where we look at it from a completely different perspective is that this damage did occur. We're there to protect the homeowner, but we're also in some ways there to protect the guest. I think one thing I, I didn't mention earlier is that we're really there to give that homeowner peace of mind that the guest has been verified, but the guest also needs to know that when you know they're booking a property and they're going through a super hog verification, that that homeowner's property has also been verified on our end. So each property that goes into to our system being a, a super hog property, if you would, they have to tick a bunch of boxes saying it's a real property. 
property, it's true, it's whatever you're seeing, you're getting. So it gives the homeowner the peace of mind, but also gives the guest peace of mind. But I think going back to your question, you know, I think what I see is this trust and safety is going to be continue to be a big issue. And companies like ours and, and others that are out there who continue to evolve and bring you know, this type of value uh, to the industry are, are going to thrive. I mean, more and more people want to know who are staying in their homes and what happens. It goes back to those three questions I uh, mentioned earlier. Whether they start developing things on their own, I don't know. I, I suspect that some may try it, but I think we're this is kind of the new norm. We're going to see more and more of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense to me. And like I said, I think that their motivations and you like a property host or property manager's motivations just may not be perfectly lined up. They're relatively lined up, right? But there's some other things going on here that people should be aware of. Alessandra, kind of going back to you for a second, what are some things that I guess you've seen from a guest screening standpoint personally? Is there different like techniques and tactics that a single host can do outside of Superhog to kind of maybe feel like they're doing the right thing to get the right guest in the door? Is there any like fishy bookings that you've kind of sniffed out before that you've decided to decline? What's kind of been your experience there of dealing with any sort of like negative, possible negative guests coming in to, to stay with you? Well, on my end, like I said, I've been I've been doing this for 2018. And so far, knock on wood, nothing crazy has happened. I haven't really had any fishy guests or anything of that sort, which is amazing. And I, I'll probably get one next week because I just said this. <laughs> but, <laughs> but on my end of guest verification, I also have a property management team on the island. So for my end, they're doing more of that portion. I'm not doing that portion really, nor do I want to. But for instance, I think something that's really important is actually your minimum night stay. I think if you don't have a minimum night stay, you're going to automatically put you in a place where there could be issues. There's people that would just want, they'll rent out for one night and they'll just have one giant party. And we've seen these issues. There's been these kinds of issues. I think it was like a couple years ago. I think it was in California or something. People rented and it turned into like a huge party and they were all out on the the patio and it collapsed, I think that was. Do you guys remember the story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen some things like that in the past. Yeah. yeah. So I think if you're allowing, I think that's one thing. If you're not having any minimum night stays, I think that's something that's really important. I think that kind of helps in the process. But having something like Super Hog and making sure you have the insurance is really important because if you don't have something that's going to verify your guests like Superhog, it's harder to do that. Like my VR, I use my VR and they have in when a reservation comes up, sometimes it will collect the information and it'll show you a photo of the guest too. And you could find them on Facebook too and kind of research them that way. But it's not all the time. So it doesn't, you, you don't get that photo every single reservation. So I think something like this is great. And that's why I want, I want to try it out on my end, to be honest. For sure. Michael, if you don't mind, I'll play devil's advocate for a minute. Do you think that this sort of thing might hurt conversions? And kind of as someone that typically focuses on the marketing side, on the conversion side of things, I guess potential issue I could see here is a guest getting a little skittish. Oh, I don't really know who this is. Or I understand they want to know who I am, meaning me, the guest. But as the host, like they want my ID, they want this, they want that. What's been your experience that I guess like super hog clients or customers experience with guests being a little bit uh, skittish about sharing this information? Yeah, we really haven't had too many issues. Uh, I'll be honest with you on that. It's a situation where 
one thing we do really well, our marketing team does this with all of the managers that we work with, is on their listings, we give them some marketing language, if you would, that basically is embedded into the listing, letting the guests know that they're going to have to go through this verification step. And I would say that 99% of the time, there's no issue. We've had a few guests that have said, no, I'm not comfortable doing it, but we're really not collecting any data that is personal. We're not collecting social security numbers or bank account numbers or anything like that. So I'd say we really haven't had that issue. I think the other piece, though, that I will share, Alessandra mentioned, was Mm -hmm. what's nice about our system is that it's live in real time. So yes, having minimum night stays is important, but what's cool about our system is that should someone want to book last minute, or let's say there's an opening in a calendar and you want to try and fill two nights, that person can book the property, go through the verification step, and within minutes be verified. So it gives the gives operators and property managers now the opportunity to do some of those things where before they'd be like, no way am I going to do a last minute booking or a same day booking. Now they're able to do it. And because of our verification, we're able to see when an email is created, if it's a real live phone number connected to a person, should those things come up as a a discrepancy, we're then notifying the manager saying, hey, you may want to really rethink this booking. So I don't want to say it's a 100% foolproof because there are characters who, unfortunately, the the criminal mind today, the person who's trying to cause some damage or do something illegal is getting more and more creative. But we are able to, I'd say, block most of those folks from causing any issues. But really, very few guests have an issue with going through this process. It's, It's really seamless. It takes honestly, no more than two minutes, um, and they're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of reminded of the movie Catch Me If You Can, where it's like, if a criminal is that yeah. intelligent, they're going to be able to sort of evade certain <laughs> things, but you know, yeah. they're going to pick easy targets, right? They're not going to go after the person that's using these next level verification tools. They're going to the, go after the more unsophisticated host or manager that's not using these things, because let's be honest, they're sort of an easier target if you are trying to do something malicious. So Correct. same sort of reason that someone would have a uh, home security system in their personal home. It's like, yeah, in theory, someone could still break into your house, even if you have a home security system. Them, but you're making yourself much less of a target by having that in place and having the sign out front. And if someone breaks in your house and they start to hear a loud screeching alarm, that that person's most likely going to leave as opposed to waiting for the cops to show up. So I think all these things are kind of like you said, nothing can perfectly prevent a bad actor from doing something bad. But these things are huge lifts and huge benefits towards keeping you more protected and more safe. And Absolutely. I think that's a smart thing to consider. Absolutely. Yeah. There is one thing yeah. that I wanted to mention. I think for me, it's mine. My situation is different because I am in a condo complex. So I think when you have a single home and there's no one really there to protect it, this is also very important because I'm in a condo complex. We have gates. It's locked up. You have to have the gate code to come in to park the car. You have to get the gate code to even walk in. We have, there's a night guard that's there from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. There's cameras. And my team, my property management team, they also, every reservation that comes in, they go to the condo and they meet them. So I think that's a nice touch because they're going to every client, they're meeting the people, they're seeing what kind of who they are, and then they're showing them around. Like that's the whole point of it. So for me, it's a little bit different because I have all these other security measures because I'm in a complex. But at the same time, it's good to have extra things like super hog or any kind of guest verification so you could alleviate anything that's going to happen. But again, if I had a home and it was just a single home and I didn't have gate codes or the security guard all night, like then, then of course, yeah. I think these are really important measures. 
That's a different type of experience. I've okay. experienced that personally, a client that we've worked with for a long time up in Georgia in the mountains. Basically how it works is they send you all the information a few days before check-in relative to door codes to get in the property, things like that. But yeah. I mean, you're out there in the mountains, right? There might be no one else around me. Mm-hmm. The last property that I stayed at up there with my family, there wasn't anyone within like probably... I don't know, like a half mile of us. So we really could have been anyone that just kind of showed up at that property and uh, came in and stayed. And they're giving us a lot of trust, letting us stay in what I assume to be almost a million dollar cabin in the woods. And you want to make sure those types of people are doing the right things because that scenario that you describe, Alessandra, is not the case for many hosts out there who have properties that are out out in remote destinations, right. out far away where people don't aren't keeping an eye on things. And weird things can occur, as I'm sure Michael and the, the team have seen, <laughs> when no one's kind of keeping an eye on anybody. Oh, yeah. 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 So Michael, we had some other questions just to kind of get some additional context here. Is the growth been good? Is there a trend or more property managers and hosts kind of coming to you as time goes on? One one data point that I saw that was very interesting to me, by the way, uh, Mike Harrington over at Carolina Retreats tweeted out a Skift article. And he mentioned, this kind of surprised me, that I think it was like since 2019, so Mm pre-pandemic, the number of short-term rentals that AirDNA has tracked hasn't changed much. Like it's like 1.506 million or something like that. I'll get the correct number and put it in the show notes. But the total number of listings hasn't drastically changed pre-pandemic to where we are today. But the interest in short-term rentals, vacation rentals has gone through the roof. So it's kind of like this classic inventory crunch that people have talked about. More people being interested in the space is a good thing, I think. But there's not necessarily more properties out there overall. There might be some markets where properties have our property growth has been consistent. There's probably other markets where property growth has been flat. But what's been your experience? Or is this kind of, are more and more hosts and property managers interested in having this type of thing as more people become aware of short-term rentals? Yeah, for sure. It, it has been. And I think the one thing we've seen is the new year started. I mean, we ended 2021 uh, really strong. I mean, especially since we just recently added also in a chargeback guarantee. I think that's really been incredibly beneficial. But one thing we are seeing is that more and more managers, whether it could be they only have one or two units to large companies that have you know thousands of units and properties under management, they're looking for solutions like this because the one thing that is consistent is as they grow their inventory, they're dealing with more and more people and that damages when they do occur. Now, if they're not using a service like us at Superhog, they're having to negotiate their own damage resolution. It's taking them an enormous enormous amount of time. I mean, some management companies even have teams just dedicated to that, where now they can throw that into our lap and we're handling that for them. So it's about efficiency on on their end. It's also just realizing that, fortunately, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, is that there are people out there who are out there to do things illegally and wrong. That's not the case for most people. But I think the thing what happens is that damage occurs. We have to be honest about that in this conversation today and all conversations you have with managers is that you're going to have damage. So the question becomes is, okay, what do you do when something happens? And it kind of goes back to one of those three questions I asked. And if you have a solution in place, you're, you're going to be fine. But if you don't, guess what? It's either coming out of your pocket and or you're going to be chasing a guest for money. And so we are seeing a major uptick. I mean, January was huge for us as far as growth in adding new listings to, to the Superhog system. And we're going to continue to see that moving on through the rest of the new year. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. Yeah, there's no doubt. Awesome. Also, under anything else that we could uh, glean from Michael? Actually, yes. This is my final question. <laughs> Can you tell <laughs> us some of your nightmare guest stories? I know you you told me a couple of them, but I think people should hear because I thought they were entertaining. But 
not entertaining, well, but not horrible at the same time. Well, they're not, yeah, they are. They are kind of entertaining. I mean, we've so one. I think two of the best though are. We, I was working with a manager in in the mountains in Colorado, and he got a call from a cleaner that they were cleaning, but there was a dining room chair missing. And this was a probably I'd say a three and a half million dollar home in Beaver Creek. And they could not find the dining room chair. So we were close to it. We went over. Everyone's looking for the chair. We looked in the attic. We looked in the basement. We looked in the garage. Could not find it. Lo and behold, one of the cleaners looked in the fireplace and saw a a leg from the chair. And what happened was the guest, it was snowing. It was a big snowstorm. And the guest ran out of firewood. So they decided to dismantle a dining room chair and burn it. Admitted to it, paid for it, but said, yeah, we didn't want to go out in the the snow and get get more firewood. So we decided to burn a chair. Hey, that's nice. Thanks. And the other is a great story on Folly Beach. Guest was staying in uh, one of the property manager's homes and uh, it was raining there during their stay so they really couldn't spend a whole lot of time at the beach but what they did was instead of bringing going to the beach they brought the beach into the house and they brought in about oh i'd say probably about 50 to 60 pounds of sand into the living room and just <laughs> let the kids play with sand in the living room making sand castles and things like that so needless to say the cleaning bill on that clean and that stay uh, was more than the normal $100 uh, cleaning fee. Uh, I think it, it was in excess of close to 800 or $900 to remove the sand. So I give these people credit for being creative. You got to do what you have to do when there's a snowstorm or rain. But those are just two of many that I could, we could spend hours on on all the things that I've heard. That reminds me of one that I heard a while ago. And this is actually not far from me up in up here in North Myrtle Beach. And the basically, how would I describe it? It was, let's just call it college week, right? A lot of colleges come in uh, staying during kind of a spring break time frame a few years back staying at a resort type property so you would think on a right kind of gated you, know, you have to check mm-hmm. in checking ids all this kind of stuff but this particular resort would charge large security deposits even if they were verifying these people they just knew that like college students tend to cause damage so these college students thought it would be fun to take the couch out of the room in this resort bring the couch out to the beach sit on the couch at the beach because they just thought that would be a fun idea to do and then later bring try to bring the couch back up the elevator and back into the room i guess how they got it out originally by the way was they were on like the second floor and they just brought it out to the balcony and chucked it off the balcony like that's how they got it out so basically the just the story was they were never able to actually fit the couch back in the room i think you have to like disassemble it to get it into the room in this particular property and they kept, I think it was like a $2,000 security deposit. Not even the fact that the couches were $2,000. It probably wasn't, to be honest with you. But just because it was such a ridiculous scenario and they had to spend a bunch of time and effort and energy to get this couch out of where it was and then order a new one. And when the, when the property's been around for a few years, you can't just order a new couch and it shows up the next day. So they had to take that room out of commission at the resort property. So that's one story that just like, I just shook my head at and I was just like, I'm sure they love telling the story of the college students, but kind of a crazy thing to do. And I'm sure the pictures did very well on Instagram for them. But yeah, guests guests do some crazy things. I think the the fireplace one is a good one, Michael. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's like I said, it's uh, just happens. So <laughs> yeah, st- stuff happens. Uh, check out Superhog. I think that's a, a decent place to put a bow on it. Yeah. Th- thank you so much, Michael, for, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, obviously, we've kind of talked a little bit about the product the whole time, but if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Just go to the website or... What's yeah, they can visit superhog.com or they can email me directly, which is just Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L at superhog.com and just reach out and answer any questions they anyone has. 
happy to do it. Phenomenal. We'll throw that in the show notes as well, a link and your email so people get, can get in touch if they are interested. Thanks, Michael, for joining us. Thanks, Alessandra, for joining uh, today you. as always as my co-host. If you like the show, please do leave some reviews. Leave a review in your podcast app of choice. Reviews and comments would be beneficial to us to get the message out to more people. Thanks again for everyone joining us and we will see you next time.